0: chapter four of byways to blessedness by james allen this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by andrea fiore chapter four burden dropping this to me is life that if life be a burden i will join to make it but the burden of a song bailey have you heard that it was good to gain the day I also say it is good to fall battles are lost in the same spirit in which they are won Walt Whitman we hear and read much about burden bearing but of the better way of burden dropping very little is heard or known yet why should you go about with an oppressive weight at your heart when you might relieve yourself of it and move amongst your fellows heart free and cheerful no man carries a burden upon his back Except to necessarily transfer something from one place to another. He does not saddle his shoulders with a perpetual burden and then regard himself as a martyr for his pains. And why should you impose upon your mind a useless burden and then add to its weight the miseries of self-condolence and self-pity? Why not abandon both your load and your misery and thus add to the gladness of the world by first making yourself glad? No reason can justify. And no logic can support the ceaseless carrying of a grievous load. As in things material, a load is only undertaken as a necessary means of transference and is never a source of sorrow, so in things spiritual, a burden should only be taken up as a means towards some good and necessary end, which, when attained, the burden is put aside, and the carrying of such a burden, far from being a source of grief, would be a cause for rejoicing we say that bodily mortifications which some religious ascetics inflict upon themselves are unnecessary and vain and are the mental mortifications which so many people inflict upon themselves less unnecessary and vain where is the burden which should cause unhappiness and sorrow it does not exist If a thing is to be done let it be done cheerfully and not with the inward groanings and lamentations it is of the highest wisdom to embrace necessity as a friend and guide it is of the greatest folly to scowl upon necessity as an enemy and to wish or try to overcome or avoid her we need our own at every turn and duties only become oppressive loads when we refuse to recognize and embrace them he who does any necessary thing in a niggardly and complaining spirit hunting the while after unnecessary pleasures lashes himself with the scorpions of misery and disappointment and imposes upon himself a doubly weighted burden of weariness and unrest under which he incessantly groans wake thou o self to better things to yonder heights uplift thy wings take up the psalm of life anew Sing the good, sing of the true, sing of full victory over wrong, make thou a richer, sweeter song, out of thy doubting care and pain, weave thou a joyous, glad refrain, out of thy thorns, a crown weave thou of rare rejoicing, sing thou now, I will give my cheerful, unselfish, and undivided attention to the doing of all those things which enter into my compact with life and though i walk under colossal responsibilities i shall be unconscious of any troublesome weight or grievous burden you may say a certain thing a duty a companionship or a social obligation troubles you is burdensome and you resign yourself to oppression with the thought i have entered into this and will go through it but it is heavy and grievous work but is the thing really burdensome or is it your selfishness that is oppressing you i tell you that the very thing with which you regard as so imprisoning a restriction is the first gateway to your emancipation that work which you regard as a perpetual curse contains for you the actual blessedness which you vainly persuade yourself lies in another and unapproachable direction all things are mirrors in which you see yourself reflected and the gloom which you perceive in your work is but a reflection of that mental state which you bring to it bring a right and unselfish state of heart to the thing and lo it is at once transformed and becomes a means of strength and blessedness reflecting back that which you have brought to it if you bring a scowling face to your looking-glass will you complain of the glass that it glowers upon you with a deformed visage or will you put your face right and so get back from the reflector a more pleasing countenance. It is right and necessary that a thing should be done when the doing of it is good, and can only become burdensome in wishing not to do it. The selfish wish makes the thing appear evil. It is neither right nor necessary that a thing should be done then, the doing of it, in order to gain some coveted pleasure is folly, which can only lead to burdensome issues the duty which you shirk is your most reproving angel the pleasure which you race after is your most flattering enemy foolish man when will you turn around and be wise it is the beneficence of the universe that is everywhere and at all times urging its creatures to wisdom as it demands coherence of its atoms the folly and selfishness entails suffering in ever-increasing degrees of intensity is preservative and good for agony is the enemy of apathy and the herald of wisdom what is painful what is grievous what is burdensome passion is painful folly is grievous selfishness is burdensome it is the dark idolatry of self which when our thoughts and actions once are done demands that man should weep and bleed and groan eliminate passion folly and selfishness from your mind and conduct and you will eliminate suffering from your life burden dropping consists in abandoning the inward selfishness and putting pure love in its place go to your task with love in your heart and you will go to it light-hearted and cheerful the mind through ignorance creates its own burdens and inflicts its own punishments no one is doomed to carry any load sorrow is not arbitrarily imposed these things are self-made reason is the rightful monarch of the mind and anarchy reigns in his spiritual kingdom when his throne is unsurped by passion when love of pleasure is the fore, heaviness and anguish compose the rear you are free to choose Even if you are bound by passion and feel helpless, you have bound yourself and are not helpless. Where you have bound you can unbind. You have come to your present state by degrees, and you can recover yourself by degrees, can reinstate reason and dethrone passion. The time to avoid evil is before pleasure is embraced, but once embraced, its train of consequences should teach you wisdom. The time to decide is before responsibilities are adopted, but once adopted, all selfish considerations, with their attendant grumblings, whinings, and complainings, should be religiously excluded from the heart. Responsibilities lose their weight when carried lovingly and wisely. What heavy burden is a man weighted with, which is not made heavier and more unendurable by weak thoughts of selfish desires? If your circumstances are trying, it is because you need them and can evolve the strength to meet them. They are trying because there is some weak spot within you, and they will continue to be trying until that spot is eradicated. Be glad that you have the opportunity of becoming stronger and wiser. No circumstances can be trying to wisdom, nothing can weary love. Stop brooding over your own trying circumstances and contemplate the lives of some of those about you here is a woman with a large family who has to make ends meet on a pound a week she performs all her domestic duties down to the washing finds time to attend on sick neighbors and manages to keep entirely out of the two common quagmires debt and despondency she is cheerful from morning to night and never complains of her trying circumstances she is parentally cheerful because she is unselfish She is happy in the thought that she is the means of happiness to others. Were she to brood upon the holidays, the pretty baubles, the lazy hours of which she is deprived, the plays she cannot see, the music she cannot hear, the books she cannot read, the parties she cannot attend, the good she might do, the friendships she is debarred from forming, of the many pleasures which might only be hers if the circumstances were more favorable. If she brooded, thus what a miserable creature she would be, how unbearably laborious her work would become, how every little domestic duty would hang like a millstone about her neck, dragging her down to the grave, which unless she altered her state of mind she would quickly reach, killed by selfishness. But in not living in the vain desires for herself, she is relieved of all burdens and is happy. Cheerfulness, and unselfishness are sworn friends love knows no heavy toil here is another woman with a private income which is much more sufficient combined with leisure and luxury yet she is called upon to forfeit a portion of her time pleasure and money to discharge some obligation which she wishes to be rid of and which should be to her work a loving service or fostering in her heart some ungratified desire she is perpetually discontented and unhappy and complains of trying circumstances discontent and selfishness are inseparable companions self-love knows no joyful labor of the two sets of circumstances above depicted and life is crowded with such contrasted instances which are the trying conditions is it not true that neither of them are trying and that both are blessed or unblessed accordance with the measure of love or selfishness which is infused into them is it not the root of the whole matter in the mind of the individual and not the circumstance when a man who has recently taken up the study of some branch of theology religion or occultism says if I had not burdened myself with a wife and family I could have done a great work and had I known years ago what I know now I never would have married I know that that man has not yet found the commonest and broadest way of wisdom for there is no greater folly than regret and he is incapable of the great work which he is so ambitious to perform if a man has such a deep love for his fellow men that he is anxious to do a great work for humanity he will manifest that surpassing love always and in the place where he now is his home will be filled with it and the beauty and sweetness and peace of his unselfish love will follow wherever he goes making happy those about him and transmuting all things into good the love that goes abroad to air itself and is undiscoverable at home is not love it is vanity have i not seen O oh pitiful sight the cheerless home and neglected children of the misguided missioner and religionist it is on such self-delusion as this that self-pity and self-martyrdom ever wait and its self-inflicted misery is regarded by the deluded one as holy and religious burden which he or she is called upon to bear only a great man can do great work and he will be great wherever he is and will do his noble work under whatsoever circumstances he may find himself when he has unfolded and revealed that work thou who art so anxious to work for humanity to help thy fellow-men begin that work at home help thyself thy neighbor thy wife thy child do not be deluded until thou doest with utmost faithfulness the nearer and the lesser thou canst not do the farther and greater if a man has lived many years of his life in lust and selfish pleasure it is the order of things that his accumulated errors should weigh at last heavily upon him as until they are thus brought home to him he will not abandon them he will not exert himself to find a better life but whilst he regards his self-made self-imposed burdens as holy crosses imposed upon him by the supreme or as marks of spiritual virtue or as loads with fate circumstances Or other people have heaped undeservedly and unjustly upon him, he is but lengthening out his folly, increasing the weight of his burdens, and multiplying his pains and sorrows. Only when such a man wakes up to the truth that his burdens are of his own making, that they are the accumulated effects of his own acts, will he cease from unmanly self-pity and find the better way of burden dropping. Only when he opens his eyes, to see that every thought and act is another brick another stone built into the temple of his life will he develop the insight which will enable him to recognize his own unstable handiwork the unflinching manliness to acknowledge it and the courage to build more nobly and enduringly painful burdens are necessary but only so long as we lack love and wisdom the temple of blessedness lies beyond the outer courts of suffering and humiliation and to reach it the pilgrim must pass through the outer courts for a time he will linger in the outer but only so long as through his own imperfect understanding he mistakes it for the inner while he pities himself and confounds suffering with holiness he will remain in suffering but when casting off the last unholy rag of self-pity He perceives that suffering is a means and not an end, that it is a state self-originated and self-propagated, then converted and right-minded, he will rapidly pass through the outer courts and reach the inner abode of peace. Suffering does not originate in the perfect, but in the imperfect. It does not mark the complete, but the incomplete. It can, therefore, be transcended its self-born cause can be found investigated comprehended and forever removed it is true therefore that we must pass through agony to rest through loneliness to peace but let the sufferer not forget it is a passing through that the agony is a gateway and not a habitation that the loneliness is a pathway and not a destination and that a little farther on he will come to the painless and blissful repose little by little is a burden accumulated imperceptibly and by degrees is its weight increased a thoughtless impulse a gross self-indulgence a blind passion yielded to and gratified again and again an impure thought fostered a cruel word uttered a foolish thing done time after time and at last the gathered weight of many follies becomes oppressive at first and for a time the weight is not felt but it is being added to day after day and the time comes when the accumulated burden is felt in all its galling weight when the bitter fruits of selfishness are gathered and the heart is troubled with the weariness of life when this period arrives let the sufferer look to himself let him search for the blessed way of burden dropping finding which he will find wisdom to live better purity to live sweeter love to live nobler will find in the reversal of that conduct by which his burdens were accumulated light-hearted nights and days cheerful action and unclouded joy come out of the world come above it up over its crosses and graves though the green earth is fair and i love it we must love it as masters not slaves Come up where the dust never rises, but only the perfume of flowers, and your life shall be glad with surprises of beautiful hours. End of chapter 4. Recording by Andrea Fiore.